to not give y'all a drink of water from a fire hydrant. So, um, so, but, <laughs> so, um, but, but I do think this is, um, where we're going to be headed, and it's interesting, where we're going to be headed, not just us as the North Campus, but the whole Life of Faith family, the Irondale Campus. Uh, Father, it was, it was so cool because I went away, and I'll share some of the things that we, uh, I learned in Phoenix, and I'll unpack the whole weekend before it's over, but I just don't want to give it to you all in one sitting. Just this past weekend, the weekend you went, not but, when you went with Selena. Yeah, not when I, just when I went on my own, okay. when I went on my own. But when Selena stayed back at our Irondale campus, there was another minister who came. His name was Chad Gonzalez. Selena shared the link in the group me. I really want to encourage everybody, please, over there's the next weeks. four teachings. There's four teachings. Yeah. Please take the time to listen to those teachings because it was almost identical content, just a little bit different presentation to what I received in Phoenix. Like I was startled yeah. at how God aligned. It. How God aligned. So, so when those kind of things happen, I perk up and go, "Okay, Father, you're doing something at a bigger scale." So we're gonna take. I'm gonna put those links in right now. I started listening to them. I forgot them. I listened to one. So cool. you had shared the one, mm-hmm. Selena, and you yeah. said at the end that it was really good. You said it was really good at the end. Make sure you stick with it till yeah. the end because in the end, he was like, I am statements constantly. Yeah. I, like, no, that was amazing. Walking yeah. everybody I'm gonna through. I'm going to be transparent. Yeah. I do not like that guy. Like, <laughs> uh, Is he abrasive? He, he's, he's, your st- abrasive. he's your Stephen Furtick. <laughs> I just kept going. Jesus. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Katie had asked me to listen to it and Selena had and I was like, okay. okay, I definitely need to listen to it. I had to push through. And then finally I was like, okay, I'm done. And I went back and I read the message and she said, oh, at the end. So I fast forwarded. Gotcha. I, I mean, I experienced healing from it yeah. in, in the shop. So, yeah. I mean, it's, but I'm just saying, it's hard for me to listen to. Okay. So, so <laughs> now this is the first time we've ever met Brother Chad. So you have to remember again in people's personality. So you're going to find, so you found a cup of tea. Yeah, don't you don't like it. So good. So, um, <laughs> So then, for that sake, I will represent a lot of his content. Then Just tell me the points where I need to listen. Oh well, <laughs> I will take notes on those points. So so yeah, so he's he's a type A type personality. He's hard charging. He he can. I, I agree. When I heard him, like ooh, buddy, he's a little abrasive. He's he's a good old Texas boy. So there's a little bit of Texas. That's so crazy because I didn't catch any of that. I must have blocked. I guess okay. My personality. When people say things like. Why don't we, or we aren't, or the church isn't? I'm like, dude, there are people doing this. There are people doing. I'm like, okay, he's talking to a general audience. Yeah. But I guess I'm like, stop. Not everybody's doing that. Yeah. But I get it. I understand. Yeah. But he went back to it. Back to it. It's like my insides were just cringy. But he did, it was very good. That's I'm glad good. I listened to it. Good. Awesome. Well, all of them are good. So I encourage everybody to go and listen. Uh, you may have to, again, you may have to, to take him in doses. I, I will admit that when I listen to him, I'm going, ooh, buddy. And you were a pastor. Wow, okay, good. Um, ho- hopefully you've, yeah. hopefully you've uh, how do you say, as the great theologian Phil Robertson would say <laughs> from Duck Dynasty, right? You know, what he just needs to do is go to Walmart and get himself a personality. Yeah. You know, and so, I didn't and so you know, 
And so, <laughs> yeah. So been there, but we're we're gonna take. So if I say this too, if I'm if I repeat anything, it's because I'm also with you guys wanting to process the the, the what the Lord is wanting to say in these times. I think is gonna be extremely pivotal for where we're going, right? Extremely, extremely pivotal. And on Thursday nights, we're going to share some things. I'm going to do my best again to give some concise thoughts. And then I'm going to give us some things that we're going to do, right? So these nights on Thursdays, please bring a uh, piece of paper or a device or something you can take notes on, right? Because we're going to be sharing some things that I'm going to want to create some some items. Does that make sense? So with all that said, Lord, we love you so much. We're so grateful. And Father, I just thank you. Lord, help me as as we speak and talk. Help me communicate what's needed uh, tonight. Help us to hear from you, Holy Spirit, uh, as we embark into a greater depth of uh, renewing our mind and our imaginations. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So <clears throat> with that, I'm going to share. So when I went away to Phoenix, the thing, so for my time in Phoenix a couple of weeks ago, answered, and I'm just looking at the time, answered about 20 years worth of questions. Wow. Things that I have asked God about and wondered about for a long time. And right. so, so that's what I'm saying. So there's a lot of stuff going on. So I'm going to try not to go just bleh, all over everybody, right? And so... Um, so basically one of the things that I've asked is, is Lord, I've always, I've said this sporadically over all the years of ministry that I've often wondered if we just don't know how our machine operates. It's kind of like, you know, anybody can get in a car and drive it. You can start it, you can grab the steering wheel and you can kind of keep it out of the ditches, right? Anybody can kind of do that. But, but the more you learn how your car operates, how it functions, the mechanics, all of that kind of stuff, then you do end up becoming a better driver, right? And there's aha moments. And I've often wondered that at least I know for myself, I did not fully understand how did my, how does my created design function to actually help in walking out and living out our salvation, the transformation that's taken place. How do the three parts work relate together. and work together? Spirit, right. soul, and body. How does that, yeah. Okay. So, so again, we probably all heard in some measure, you know, we, and you've heard me say it if you've been here at all in our time, we're a three-part being. We are a spirit. We have a soul, which I've always defined, and I think it's still accurate, your mind, your will, and your emotions, right? And we live in a body. Right? So those are our three parts. Uh, I like something that, that Brother Chad said in one of his sessions when he said, and we all say this too, that our spirit is complete in Christ. Our spirit is perfect. Our spirit is whole. There are no issues in our spirit. There are no defects in our spirit. Uh, there's nothing wrong with our spirit. Right? It is made in the image of Christ. So our spirit is the source of life. And, and starting on Sunday, I'm going to talk about where we're actually from in our spirit and where we're connected to. But our spirit is the source of life, but our soul, and you're going to see me over the coming days, and I'm going to try to, I'm going to be touching parts of my body 
but that's to help me rewire my own self, right? So if you see me touch, I'll explain all this in a minute so we can know the dynamics. And you see me doing, you're like, good, Brad's got Tourette's or something. I don't know. <laughs> and so he's doing something weird. He's patting and rubbing his belly and doing all this stuff. But, um, but it's to kind of help me understand in my own self what I've learned and to process, right? Um, but our spirit is the river of life, but our soul is the dam. And our soul can dam up the life of God from flowing out into our physical life. Does that make sense? Right now, when we talk about this, one of the key things that I think, well, not that I think that I know I learned. And I would say that was like one of those is that our soul is housed in our nervous system. It's how, so, so this is some, because the, the men who taught us in the session, one of them is literally a doctor of nuclear physics and quantum physics, but a strong born-again spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-loving scientist. And the other one is a born-again spirit-filled, Holy Ghost-loving chiropractor. And the Lord has shown these things to them from Scripture and stuff. So what they talked about is, is they gave us a little bit. So this is a little bit to kind of, so you know what I'm touching. So your brain, your, your organ, your brain has three parts to it. The front part of your brain is what's called the cognitive mind or the conscious mind. This is where all the, all the cognitive decisions we make day in, day out happen right here in the front. Right, uh, the frontal lobe, that's right. The middle of your brain is what's called the subconscious mind. We, we know a little bit, and we'll talk about some of that, that subconscious stuff that goes on is kind of here in the middle. But the back of your brain is what's called the superconscious mind. Now back here in this part of the brain, the way God created us, and it's attached down into the spinal cord where it goes down in, is all of the automatic nervous things like your heart beating, breathing, those kind of things going on. Aren't you glad, and I love this, this that God loved us enough that we don't have to remember to make our heart beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to remember to breathe. Mm-hmm. I don't have to remember to do certain things that are vitally important for life. All the things that are vitally important to keep us alive they happen back here automatically. And this is where your core belief system rests. Because God put our core belief system in this part of our superconscious brain so that what we believe happens automatically, like our heartbeat. Does that make sense? That's why what we believe that's back here is actually what's going on out here. Wow. Why it's so hard to change? Well, we used to think it's so hard to change. I'm about to help you make it a whole lot easier. Because it's not as hard as we think. We just have to be willing to accept some parts of our soul that maybe over the course of time we haven't known what to do with. Right? So we'll talk about maybe more of that over this time. Right? But back here, I just kind of set some of this. So back here in this superconscious brain, this is where your core belief system resides. Now, now this part of your brain, and everybody, so if you hear me touch this, and you can then touch your heart. Now, this is the part, and I'm just going to have to geek out for a little bit because it's just too much fun not to do it, is your heart. So your heart, your organ, and this are connected. Both 
to beat and to feel because they've now discovered scientifically that in your heart muscle are 40,000 neurons just like you have in your brain. And now they call it actually, the term is your heart brain. Your, your, your heart has neurons and a brain like your brain brain. But here's the part, guys, listen to me. Here's the story. This is like, I mean, to me. So they, they know there's these 40,000 neurons. With our scientific medical equipment now, your heart puts out an electromagnetic field because of those neurons that can be now measured up to six feet away. I that face. Right? <laughs> But that's only because that's the best equipment we have. They suppose it's much farther. Wow. Now, now here's the thing. So, so uh, and this not to get so Elon Musk, everybody's heard of Elon Musk and one of his things, you know, and you and I were talking about him the other day. Elon Musk is wanting to take, and is taking people into space, and then he wants to take people to the moon, and then he wants to take somebody to Mars, right? That's kind of his plan. And he's like many um, environmentalist type folks, he, because he believes that at some point the magnetic fields of the earth will be compromised and we'll all get burned up in a big radioactive solar flare or something and all that kind of, you know, doom, gloom, despair, despair. and agony on me, right? The good old heat hall version right there, right? So now A, to just calm everybody, Kurt and I talked about this last week, Psalms chapter 47 says this, the shields of the earth belong to the Lord. So 47. 47. Psalms 47. You never have to fear that the electromagnetic fields of the earth are going to collapse because the psalmist said the shields of the earth are God's and he's got them. Aren't you glad about that? Amen. But, but here's the part. But because the environmentalists that don't know God are concerned about the electromagnetic fields of the earth, they have launched two satellites into space. And these satellites measure... And, and I, I, Steve told me what they were, Steve Young did, when they were here. They're called something, very scientific sounding, but they're, the, they're these uh, electromagnetic shields. And they, these satellites measure the electromagnetic fields of the earth to watch them because everybody's afraid they're going to collapse. Or, and so obviously as they're watching them, because God's got them, they don't move. They're static. They just do their thing. Except... For a certain day in the year 2001 and in the month of September. Somebody want to tell me what day that was? 15 minutes after the first plane hit the tower, because the hearts of men unified in fear, we changed the electromagnetic field of the earth. It spiked and went out of, out of its normal pattern because it responded to our hearts. So, I totally believe that. Uh, that's cool. What is that? The heart brain? That's cool. That's all you can pass that around. That's the heart brain. Each, uh, it says each uh, part of your heart, I think there's three parts. There's four chambers, four, yeah. Well, four mm -hmm. parts. Each part has its own separate nerve ending heart brain. Yes. All connected, 40,000 things there. That's right here. You're saying that they recorded. They've been recording for this long. They were they look back. Mm -hmm. They were they were recording these fields for how long, mm -hmm. 
and they noticed a blip on September the 11th. And I, so now here's the thing that they're saying. That's why they're saying, look at this. So now this, we're, I'm kind of wanting to get us somewhere, but I'm going to tell you a few more interesting stories about your heart, right, so that you understand what we're talking about, right? So your heart feels, it knows. Here's what they know, and they've done this. So because they found this heart brain, they, the scientists took electrodes. Or, I mean, again, I'm not a doctor, right? So I'm not, I don't, if, I, if you reach, research this and I am not saying it right, it's because... Brad's not a doctor, right? I mean, I'm, not, I'm a pastor, I'm not a scientist. I'm just trying to... But they, they put electrodes or something on people's chest for their heart to measure this heart-brain activity. And they hooked it up to one machine. And then they hooked up electrodes to the person's brain-brain and put it to another machine. And then they began to show these test subjects a series of highly emotional pictures both positive and negative. Super happy, joyful stuff that would make you smile and be happy and super disturbing stuff that would get your, tank your emotions. And here's what they found out. It didn't matter, positive or negative. Your heart brain knew what was coming six seconds before your brain brain saw it with your eyes. And they measured it person after person after person and their hearts knew what was coming before they literally saw it with their eyes and their brain registered it. And the heart brain got this brain ready for what they were about to see. So now we understand what it says in Proverbs chapter 4 when we guard our heart with all diligence because from your heart come the boundaries of your life. And so now... Medical scientists believe your heart knows the future. So every man, woman, and child that's happening, but not just born again. Not just born again people. This is human because business. Because we're creating yeah. an image and likeness of God. That's exactly right. That's how our machine that's works. It. That's how, this is how we work. You know, it kind of reminds me of like when you're around somebody and you're just like, man, I just got this really good or really bad either way. But, you know, I've had that happen. Man, I just like them. Yeah. You know, I don't know why, but... You know, like when you see people, you know something's wrong with you. Yeah. Even though they may seem okay, you're like, no. So that, it's like your heart can tell the kind of. It is. Well, now there's a, okay, so now don't go too far because I got to, because there's a lot of things. Stay get, on the tracks. It's got to, trying to stay on the tracks to build. So, so here's, so here's that. So now let me tell you a couple more stories, right? So here, to, just to talk about what we're, because what I'm saying is, is that when we, and the reason why I'm doing this is because when we talk about renewing our minds for so long, we have just tried to talk to people about this. Mm-hmm. We've never talked about this. Yeah. Right? We've tried to get people to cognitively think. Now, here's the thing. How many of you, we all grew up in church, and you heard probably some good preacher somewhere talk about the 18-inch distance between your head and your heart and you got to get the Word of God in your heart going down. What they now know is the neurons of the heart brain lead this one. So it's actually not this direction for mind renewal. It's this direction. Because this heart brain leads this brain. Because it's tied back here to this automated system. Does that make sense? All right, so we're going to, sorry, everybody doing okay. So, I'm, again, and at any time we'll stop, we're just going to go. So I missed, I guess, because I was 
you're talking about your heart, I don't know. Your, the heart brain leads this brain. For so many times in the church world, we've said it's this brain will lead this brain. It doesn't work that way. That's why most of our mind renewal stuff has not worked. Is because we're trying to get this brain to lead this brain and your body doesn't function that way. This brain, your heart brain, leads this brain. And it answered the question for me why for so many years when I read the Bible and I studied and it said, again, guard your heart over in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, when it would say things about your heart, it used the Greek word cardia, which was literally the word for your heart organ. It wasn't the word suke that was about your soul. Does that make sense? So what we can live from the heart. We we must we not you already live from the heart. Well here's the thing, we don't many times this is that we don't know what's in there. So we're gonna Again, I want to. I'm trying not to get too far ahead because I get excited. I know she's trying. Well, here's the reason I said so. It it also helped me understand because, again, psychologists and doctors and stuff have known for years that. And again, I'm going to touch. So if you see me do this, I'm just helping Brad, right? So again, so your core belief system, 80% of it, is in place by the age of five. Did you hear what I just said? Yes. How many of you remember anything five and earlier? Oh, I do. I don't. I remember nothing. Oh, I do. Right. So here's. I, I mean, that's, that's me. Your and, and so we can talk about some of that. So this is, so what happens is, is, is 80% of your core belief system is in place by the time you're five. The other, we're seeing it in our hearts. No wonder I see things. That's right. It comes there first. It comes, and then I see it. That's exactly right. Oh, I like this. <laughs> Amen. That's exactly right. That's, that's that connected piece that gives us that prophetic window that God speaks to. That's how the, that's the mechanics. I, and you're going to hear me use a term that's my term. And, and, and I just, so let's just play with me because Brad needs all the help I can get, right? Is, is I call it biomechanics. It's part of the biomechanics of how all this spirit stuff works, right? So, so then the other 15%, the other 15% of your core belief system is in place by the time you're 15. So by the time you hit 15 years old, 100% of this is in place. Yeah, I can see that. Right? And this is governing your life. Mm-hmm. Which is why, why one of my kids was like, I can't even mess up right because I've got your voice and daddy's voice in the back of my head. I can't even do nothing wrong. <laughs> Can't, I can't be a wild child because y'all just talk to me all the time, even when you're not there. But is uh, so y'all doing something right? <laughs> but but does that but does that make sense? So now here's the thing. So here's just an analogy they taught us. So let's say uh, somebody, a, a young person, they're they're five or so years old, right? They're there, they're playing at home, and mom and dad get into an argument over money, over finances. The argument gets heated. Something gets done. Maybe dad 
reacts in some way violently, whether he just pounds the table or hits the wall or pushes mom or day I wouldn't do that, but is a you know <laughs> kicks the cat and he does something, but there's an outburst of anger. All the child knows is that the subject was about money. So here's the part. So this part of your life has one job and one job only, and that's to keep your identity safe. Welcome to my childhood. Right. It's to keep. Now, here's the thing. It, the way they explained it, let's just imagine, if you will, we're here. Now, when we were in, in Arizona, they took us way back up into the mountains, and it was bear country. So there were signs everywhere. Watch out for bears. Don't feed the bears. Don't touch the bears. You know, there's bears here, right? Bears so, that, <laughs> and so they were saying, so, you know, if we were in that little chapel room. They said, you know, if a bear came through the back door of the little chapel, your super conscious and subconscious brain is trying to keep you safe. So it says, run, get out. It's the same response when your identity is attacked. Your value, your worth, your esteem, your person. When that gets attacked in some way, the same mechanics of fight or flight take over and burns a core belief into your, into your superconscious. So the little, little child is there. He sees daddy go a little crazy over money. He doesn't have the ability to recognize and cognitively say, well, man, dad flipped his breaker. All he might know is, ooh, money's bad. Money's not good. Money's not safe. So he builds a belief system that says money's not safe. So then he struggles the rest of his life earning money because here constantly is saying, that'll, that'll hurt you. That'll hurt you. That'll hurt you. Can't, you can't have that money, so he wastes it or he gets fired or he loses because his, his belief system is saying that's unsafe. That'll cause you to be violent. That'll cause you to hurt people you love. That'll call, does that make sense? And that belief system gets burned into place and we reject the very thing we're after. Do y'all see how this works? And no amount of thinking this way alone will fix this. Well, you know, our dad died by the time I was mm. 12 years old. Mm. My mama couldn't drive a car. She could not buy groceries. Mm -hmm. She could not pay the bills. Mm -hmm. She did not go anywhere. She stayed home. She cooked and had kids. Mm -hmm. And at 12 years old, I decided right then, this is never going to happen to me. That was I will take care of myself. Mm -hmm. And right then is when I started. Yeah. And, and this always, that, that happened back in here. Mm -hmm. So here's, okay, so let me, so y'all go, okay, so go with me. Oh, help me, Lord. Okay. So I'm going to share one verse here, and I want us to go somewhere and look. The verse I'm about to share is going to become a key verse for us on Thursdays as we move forward. It's going to be this verse. It says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, right, and, and we'll read this maybe one night, and it says this. Now, this is what one of those ones. I'm coming. Verse 23. This is one of the verses that I have wondered about my whole life, and, and the Lord gave me the answer when I was away in Phoenix. It says, verse 20, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Because this, this is connected. 
this is the spirit of your mind. Oh, that's good. So Paul said, now remember what he said in Romans. Same author said, you will transform your life when you change the way you think. For many years, and even to you guys, I must apologize, and I'm sorry, I just didn't know. For many years, I used to think it was just this. You had to change the way you think here. That's what we were taught. That's what I was taught. But, but this verse bugged me because it was the, written by the same author, same subject, Paul writing. And I'm like, well, Paul, what's this spirit of your mind thing? That's always, I, I've never known. I just thought, I, well, the attitude, I'm at, that's what it was, the attitude of your mind. Okay, well, I gotta have a, I gotta have a good attitude here, right? How many of you have tried that? I'm gonna be a good boy. I'm gonna have a good attitude. I'm gonna have a good attitude. A positive mental attitude. I'm gonna have a good attitude, and then something happens, and I have a bad attitude. Besides, does anybody other than me had that? You know, and 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 I. But God, I went and I, I spent days meditating here to have a good attitude here. And the moment something happened, bad attitude. Yeah, we're going to be nice to that old lady. <laughs> <laughs> and it just didn't work. It just didn't work because here. Yes. Okay, so I don't know what your answer is because you're purposely holding it from us. <laughs> okay. But, you know, I think about memories. Of, I think we kind of are, are doing that. Maybe nowhere near as much as we need to. But, like, God reminding you of a memory of something you associate with kind of like a child of money. Yeah. You know, God will remind me of something. Like, Do you remember this? No. That wasn't good. Wait, let me tell you. So, okay, the, give you the answer. I feel like we are doing that. I mean, you're, you were saying you need to apologize because you did. But y'all are kind of doing that. So. Yeah. Well, good. Uh, well, here's, so here's what I learned on that to go. So now, go here. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to land the plane a little bit because I want us to do something here today. Yeah. When you say you're going to land the plane, you know what I think about that. <laughs> I know. I, I mean it. I'm, so 2 Corinthians chapter 10. It says, so the, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's start in verse 3 for now. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Now, this means... Though we walk in this world, mm-hmm. we do not operate yes. from this world. Amen. We're going to talk about more of that on Sunday. We actually operate, and, and a great analogy I love that the Chad Gonzalez guy gave, and you'll hear me say this again, I'm going to use Audra as an example. So Audra is now, as we know, in a whole other country, whole other economic sphere, whole other place. But she is not living financially from that place. She's living from here. So I want you to hold that as an analogy. So even though she's physically in a developing nation where money is a challenge, things are different, she's not operating from the economy of Uganda or Kenya. She is operating from the economy of the United States of America. That's right. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't operate from this plane. We operate from where we're actually from, which is heaven. Yeah. I'm definitely ready to get this very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're, That's we're, where I'm at, too. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, this, is, this is good. Yeah, so we're operating. So I want you to hold that in our mind because it's so. This, 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 
Guys, listen to me. This is not just going to change you. Mm-hmm. You're going to change everybody you've been trying to help for your whole life. Yeah. Right here. What we're going to unpack over the next month or so. You're going to literally be able, all those people that you've been thinking, why don't you get it? It's because they got to get it. The reason why they don't get it is because it's not here. Does that make sense? It's not in this place. It's it, right? So, so even though we walk after the flesh, right? Or where did it go? Even though we walk in the flesh, not after the flesh, I'm sorry. Even though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God. And we probably heard this too, the pulling down of strongholds. I'm going to finish reading. Casting down, now listen to these words, arguments. Is that tangible or mental? Mental. And every high thing, now that word thing there is another word for imagination. Is that tangible or mental? Mental. Right? That every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Is that tangible or mental? The knowledge mental. of God is mental. So again, I want you to say, so the weapons of our warfare are not tangible. They're not things. They're, they're things here. Right? They're not physical weapons. They're weapons of the soul. So the stronghold is not a physical stronghold. It's not even a spirit. Because we've all, yeah. how many of you met those age of spiritual warfare? We're going to tear down the stronghold over Birmingham. Yeah. Right? It's not even a spiritual stronghold because the context is not about spirit. The context is about your soul. Does that make sense? The stronghold is a mental stronghold. Mm-hmm. Now the challenging things about strongholds, and this is one of the things we, I learned in Phoenix, is strongholds have a dual purpose. Anybody ever been to England? Besides, I've been to England. Anybody else been to England? Have you, have you, heard, about it. Have you heard about the Tower of London? Yeah. So tell me what you know about the Tower of London. Huh? No, that's the Lane Tower of Pisa. What's the Tower of London? The, the Tower of London is there. Historically, what do you know about who lived in the Tower of London way back in the day? Do y'all know? The king did. Okay. So it was both a palace, but also what did they keep there? The gold. They did keep the gold there. The crown jewels are in the tower, but they kept all of the high treason prisoners. It was also a prison. Strongholds are both palaces and prisons. So remember what we said, the number one job of this, right? The number one job of this is to keep you safe. So when Henry VIII was getting ready to knock off one of his wives. He was there watching. That I was right a while ago. (laughs) That's exactly right. Well, she was. She was just in the prison side. He was in the palace side. She was in the prison side. But, but listen to me, in your mind, a stronghold, because remember, because this is back to what you were saying. So here are the four walls of a mental stronghold. Wall number one is an emotion, right? So now, and, and what, now again, I, the way we learned, I like it, it's an 
little e, big M, motion, because your feelings are never static. Your feelings are always moving you. They're an E motion. They're a feeling, but that feeling is not just there and doing nothing. It's moving you. Does that make sense? So you have to, that's important. We'll come back to it. It's tied to this. Absolutely right, brother. It's tied right here. Right, is the emotion. We're going to get this stuff fixed. Right, amen. So, 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 you're, <laughs> so you're, you're, your first wall of a stronghold is an emotion. That emotion, as you said, Alicia, is always tied to a memory. The little boy. Something happened that, that the emotion and the memory went kind of hand in hand. You had an emotion and a memory. That memory happened. There's an emotion. Is that number two? That's number two. Wall number okay. two is the memory. Did you put memory down? So wall number one. <laughs> She's like, get your face back. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, so, and so there's, there's the emotion. Could you say, would you say all emotions are tied to the memory? Yes. Okay. All emotions are tied to the memory. Yeah. Right. Yes. Whether a memory that's being made now or have you noticed this in your life? That same reoccurring emotion, be it worry, fear, anger, whatever. Have you ever noticed that you have these repeated things that happen? And it's like, you hear me always jokingly say, I sound like a Britney Spears song. Oops, I did it again. Right? The same thing happened and that same emotion comes up. And a new memory is made. And it's like a chain of events in your life that have gone on. Does that make sense? There's a, so that the reason why is, is because there was an emotion. That memory. Now remember what we're saying. This is being built because this, the whole job of this is to keep your identity safe. Right? It's, try, it's fight or flight. It's trying to keep you protected. Maybe not necessarily like the bear analogy to keep your body protected, but it's trying to keep who you are protected. Right? Does, does that make sense? Yes. So it, it's there. And I'll, I'll talk about a friend of mine in a minute maybe. So there's the emotion, there's a memory. Here's where it, it happens. The moment we give the memory a meaning or a motive, we make it a stronghold. A meaning? Or a motive. Oh, that, that's good. So when you ascribe motive, when you ascribe motive or meaning, to that emotion. well, that happened because. Give me an example. That happened. Okay, I'm gonna use your. Sure, absolutely. Is that is that okay? So when Selena was younger, uh, again, y'all know some of her story. Her biological mom and dad divorced. She was little. She goes back to Guatemala, and she really bonds and accurately so to her granddad, her mom's dad. Poppy, we call him, so I'm going to call him Poppy. So she really bonded, and Poppy was her dad more than her granddad. Well, then my mother-in-law meets my ex-father-in-law, your stepdad now, and i got to kind of keep all that going. It's like a, it's like a bad soap opera. But anyway, but it's um, meets, meets him when they're, you're six, and he, Wes is his name, my ex-stepdad. <clears throat> so Wes is going to step in. He's going to be the man. He's going to be the husband. He's going to be the father. And he cuts off the relationship. Well, no, you can't just go be with your poppy all the time now because I'm your dad. 
and pulls Selena away from the one who was her father. Well, she's little. All she knows, she can't cognitively go, well, yeah, he's just trying to be a new husband. and then She doesn't have that ability. This is not developed yet. But here she goes, abandonment. This, but here's where the meaning. Well, then she gets genuinely sick once, and because Poppy was a doctor, she went to see Poppy. Well, now she goes, oh, I now know how to be a good daughter because I was taken away because they. But if I'm sick, I get to be with him. So there's meaning and motive that get ascribed to the memory. I don't know if that's a good analogy. Whenever we sit there and we, and again, and guys, listen. 20 years later, I'm like, why am I sick all the time? Why am I always sick? Because you want to go see Poppy? Because yes. I wanted to be mm-hmm. with my Poppy. Because that's the only time I actually felt safe. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And then finally the Lord had to reveal to me that it was, it was, that, that, that being sick actually, uh, exactly. And Father helped me realize that and go, you don't have to do that anymore. Like you don't, you don't have to. And from that point on, I was no longer sickly, but that was 10 years ago. So the, the meaning and the motive come from that hurt. It's what we ascribe, to, I the ascribe hurt. to the hurt. I, that must have happened because. I have a good example. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I was listening to the video yep. you sent. I was mm-hmm. taking notes. I yeah. You know? And so, but something that had come up to me that morning or the night before, before I listened to it, is was the thing he said, uh, what's the thing I don't want you to know? You remember that part of it? Maybe not. No, I don't remember. Anyway, okay, anyway. Um, I had this memory of one Christmas, I had asked for a jacket. You know, a certain jacket. And um, my mom got me a jacket, but it was a clearance jacket. It was not the same color. It was not even my size, but it technically fit. It was a child size, and I'm like 14, 15. I was like, well, I'll wear it and be thankful. But my sister got a brand new jacket in the color she wanted and the size that fit her. And then she got an iPad chip for her iPod. And, uh, you know, I just always was thankful. Thank you so much. I never let it show, but deep down it hurts. And you know, yeah. I know my parents, they're trying. But two things that I brought away from it. My mother does not truly love me as much as she does the other children because of whatever past emotions I have caused her ruining her life. You know, you go down the road. And two, I'm not worth better yes. Yes. or enough. It was recent because I do that with my work. Like when I'm making stuff, I'm like, it's good. But it's not. But it's not worth that. You know, they might can get that for their work. I can't get that for my work. Um, so, yeah, like, it's still there. It's still. Well, so let's. So oh, so okay. now. So here's what we're going to talk about tonight. This. So so then what happens is, is that is we said there's an emotion. It's tied to a memory. We've given that memory and that emotion a meaning. That's because I'm not worth it. That's because I. That's because I ruined mom's life. I'm, I shouldn't have been here. And we could go. You can look back, and we ascribe a motive. And when we do that, we begin then. Because remember, the subconscious job is trying to keep you safe. 
not you here, your identity. So we then begin to create mechanisms to close off the stronghold. So now I don't charge as much for my work because I'm just not worth it. I begin to do things. Or I won't advertise. Or I won't advertise. Or I'll turn down certain opportunities. And you kind of never know why. Until later, you're like kicking myself. Why on earth would I do that? You know? Yeah. Because we self-sabotage. Because this is trying to not let you ever feel that way again. Yeah. So. Okay. Now, because I didn't understand we're talking about protect yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not trying to protect myself. But now I understand the emotion. It doesn't want you to hurt. Feel that way again. Yeah. So now here's though. Now here's the part. So this is. Y'all have heard me say this if you've been here for a while, and I've said this for years. For years, I used to say, how do I know when I believe? How do I know when I have a strong core belief about something? And I used to say this, and it's not that it's incorrect, but it was incomplete. I used to say, your knee-jerk reaction is what you actually believe. As I've said that for years, right? So when it, something happens and something goes on, circumstance comes... That knee-jerk reaction. Now you're going to hear me change my, my term. That knee-jerk emotion. Mm-hmm. That emotion that springs up out of you is the indicator of what you believe. Remember what Paul said to the Romans around Romans. I'd have to find it 17 or no, not that no, no, many chapters. 14, 15 in there. He said this. He said, may the God of all hope fill you with peace and joy in believing. So what are peace and joy? Emotions. They're emotions. Guys, listen to me. Here's here's what I want you to hear if you don't hear nothing else. The way we got into our stronghold is how we get out of our stronghold. Because you can build... A negative stronghold has a negative emotion tied to a negative memory. You give it a negative meaning and you create negative mechanisms. You can undo that and break out of that negative stronghold but build a positive stronghold with positive emotions tied to positive memories with positive meaning that will create new positive mechanisms and it becomes a good stronghold. That is all... That is all palace, no prison. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Did you go for number four? Yeah, the mechanism. So the other wall is the mechanism. What we because most of us again. Okay, so there's a there's a there's an emotion. We first have an emotion, right? That emotion and the memory show up almost simultaneously. So the second wall is a memory. So The emotion and the memory come almost simultaneously. Then we ascribe meaning or motive. That's the third wall. Meaning or motive to the memory. Right? When we ascribe that motive, our subconscious begins to create a mechanism. That's the fourth wall. To keep us safe. And if you've ever noticed, many people, it's the same repeated mechanism. Right. I'll, I'll, again, I won't do that. I won't take a chance. I won't risk. I won't put myself out there. Like talking about you, Alicia. I won't. Uh, I'll sell myself short. They're all the same mechanism. And, and as we're going over this, another thought come off that mm-hmm. too. Another reason why I never 
wanted anything because it was always, we don't have the money. You know, like, oh, I found that on a deal. That's why I got her something really good. We really don't have the money. Like, money is such a, uh, it's a thing that is gone very quickly. Mm-hmm. And there's not always, there's never enough of it. You know, so that thought, you know. Mm-hmm. You get what I'm trying to say? I do, to because I'm not. And they never, I'm going back through all these memories, but they would not pay their power bill and would go live with somebody else. You know, because they couldn't keep the bills paid and stuff like that. So, like, money was always a, we may not have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and so again, no stability. so no stability with it. Yeah. so now here's what, so does this make sense? So this is all that's there, right? So let's keep looking here. Second Corinthians chapter chapter ten again. It's a for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the tearing down of these strongholds, right? Casting down, now notice this again, the arguments, mental, every high thing, and again, other translations say high thoughts, high imaginations. I would say it like this, what do you mean, Brad, by a high imagination? Frequent. Mm -hmm. Thoughts and imaginations that you frequently most often, think about it a lot. All, all the time, it's just You're there. You're obsessed with X thought, right? That's a high thought because you've taken that one thought and lifted it above the others and you spend your time just thinking, 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 thinking about that, right? So now listen, now here this went, and this one happened today, y'all. This is the coolest thing about all this. This is, this is like fresh bread because... Me and Tony got it on his deck this morning when I was talking to him, so I'm sharing it with you. So, casting out down to arguments, every high imagination that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. For years, I used to think, okay, I got to grab the thoughts that go against who God is. But God's not the subject under discussion. Who has the stronghold? I do. What is the stronghold defending? My so it's the arguments and the high thoughts that exalt themselves against what God says about me. That's good. As opposed to what I think about myself. That's good. Against the knowledge God knows about me. Mm-hmm. That thought is trying to say, well, no, everybody else is righteous, but not me. Everybody else is worth it, but not me. God. Because you don't want to get let down. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just, oh, you're going to do great things. And you're like, I want to believe it. Yeah. I don't want to be discouraged. Yeah. But see, that's exalting itself yeah. against the knowledge of God towards you. Yeah. His this, thoughts. His thoughts. So this is what we're going to stop tonight with the teaching portion, because I want to give you something to do every week. And we're going to build this because one of the things that I did while I was away, and, and I think it's important. So I want us to talk about this then. Oh, let me back up. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what was the obedience of Christ? Not a trick question. The cross. The cross. Right, exactly. So the obedience of Christ was going to the cross. So did, again, so... When he went to the cross, did Jesus go to the cross for himself? No, no, for me. And what did he go to the cross to do for me? 
To give me a new identity. To give me a new identity. So I'm bringing all of these high thoughts and arguments that are exalting themselves. I bring them to the obedience of Christ, which means what identity through Christ's obedience have I been awarded and given? Right? Who am I now? Right? Because again, we're going to talk about this on Sunday, because I am now no longer from here. Paul repeats himself. I am an alien. I am a foreigner. I am a sojourner. I'm a wanderer in a foreign place. I am like Abraham was when he left Ur of the Chaldees and went to a land that was not his own and wandered and lived in tents and dwelled in this place that he was not. He, he owned it, but he wasn't from there. And it was this parallel picture of we're from, even to the point, guys, even to the point, I got to get, get ahead of my, get ahead of, is... <laughs> is in John is John chapter three right? So John chapter remember John is talking to Nicodemus or Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John chapter three, and Jesus famously says, "You must be born again," and that word "born again" literally means born from heaven. So see, when you accepted Christ, you were born from above. From another place. <laughs> do you believe that you have been born again? So we're gonna. Do I believe I'm actually not from here? That's right. Not even. I, I am. I. I am from somewhere else. Right. I am something. Do the paddock. I, 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 I'm going to encourage you, as weird as it feels, to touch yourself. I am from somewhere else. Right? And here's the neat thing. A, a lot of now, again, and, and again, you're going to hear me say some stuff, and this is the challenge. And you might go talk to some some of your other churchy folk that you know, and they're going to say that that pastor of yours is doing new agey stuff. And, and I'm going to promise the new age people stole it from us. It's not the other way around. And so, uh, but they now know all around the world. It's like this. Have you ever noticed when, when you talk to somebody and you say, well, hey, Miss Teresa, where are you from? And they'll say this, well, I'm from Alabama. But they involuntarily touch here. Well, I'm from Alabama. I'm from the United States of America. I'm from... And, and what they now know biomechanically is every time you touch your heart, you center whatever you're thinking on here. You literally, when you touch your heart, you connect these two things together. We better go around with our heart all the time. <laughs> well, so now you I, have to touch your neck too. No, I do it because it just, that's, okay. well, but, but, you take, but now you understand why we put our hand over our heart. I pledge allegiance to the flag. Of the United States of America. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you call that indoctrination. <laughs> that is. But when they did it, we didn't know what we were doing. But you literally, that's wow. why Americans are so proud about being Americans. Wow. Because we're one of the only nations yeah, we that do, touch our heart. Do Guatemalans do this. Yeah. Other people do right? things that are scared. Not as much as Americans. No. Mm-mm. But we, every time we stand up, we literally, I pledge allegiance. We're one nation under God. We're one nation. But listen, but that, 
we may not have done it, but every time we touched our heart, we hardwired our heart. I'm an American. That's so cool. That's who I, so every time you touch, so here is home. Does that make sense? And so you'll touch yourself there. So I do encourage you as you're doing what we're going to do. Every time you just put your hand on your heart about what I'm going to do. And I am a true son of my heavenly father, born of his spirit from heaven itself and by his divine purpose. I am free from sin, which means I'm free from sickness and I'm free from just getting by. Yeah. Right? Yeah. right? I am a good pastor for you guys. Mm-hmm. Yes, right? you I am a good pastor. And I have to touch myself because sometimes I doubt it. I am a good pastor for these people. I am a good husband. I am a good father. And, and I'm, because I'm just wiring this. Does that make sense? But here, so... And being ready, I love this, to punish all disobedience by my obedience. What is the disobedience? Is he talking about sinning? No. Stinking thinking. Stinking thinking about what? Me. So every time, so now, every time I talk different about myself, then the knowledge of God says that's disobedience. <laughs> because <laughs> don't, don't touch. But see, now that disobedience here is that disobedience of me trying to stay connected to that old identity, not what he says about me. And so I punish all of that disobedience wow. with what? With my obedience to no, no. That is not who I am. This is who I am. Yeah. Oof. Does this make sense? Yeah. So as an example, what I want you to do over the next little bit, and I'll, I'll land the plane here, is I want you to create an I am statement, and I want you to take your time. Right? I thought we might have time to do it tonight, but I, I think that's going to rush you. I don't want to rush you. Because I want it to, and here, okay. All right, tonight, in. Okay, help me not get ahead of myself. Um, well, I'm coming, I'm coming, but there's a reason. You've got to know why. Or it won't make sense. I appreciate it. I thank you. I know you're trying to help me, and I realize that. But there's, there, I, just, I, I do, I'm not trying to disobey what I need to do, but I, I got to make sure I tell you guys what it is because the reason why it's important is, remember we talked about the emotion thing, right? The reason why I want you to take your time with this is because I want you to create something that is going to move you. Remember this, we talked about and, and the part that, to get ahead, the part that I think we have not known what to do with as believers is the part of our emotions. Because we normally just tell people, Selena, you just stop feeling that way. Right? And that we'll just quit feeling that way, Selena. Just get over it. Just get over it. Quit, it up, so, and quit feeling that way. Just stop feeling that way. Right? Just quit feeling that way. Well, here's what we learned in Phoenix. So if my knee or an elbow or some part of my body hurt all the time, what should that tell me to do? Go get it checked out, right? That, that whole thing is this, man, my knee's hurting. It's been hurting for some days now, and I've done everything I normally do, and it's still hurting, and I don't know what's going on. And if that stays, then we would all say, well, Brad, why don't you go get your knee checked out and see, what, see what's going on with your knee? That's what your emotions are for. 
Your emotions are the pain center of this, of your identity. So that negative emotion, anger, wrath, envy, jealousy, lust, worry, fear, all these things, if they keep reoccurring, it's like having your knee hurting. It's, your, it's God's love in this system telling you there's something you're not believing right. And, it's, and, and what we should do is we, we don't go, well, stop feeling that way. We should stop and go, why am I feeling that way? What's the memory that's tied to that emotion? How is that memory and that emotion, how are those things attacking my identity? How, what, what motive and meaning, if I can remember that far, what motive and meaning... Did I give to that about my identity? Do you see this, right? Now that's on the negative. Because listen to me. Have you ever wondered about this verse? Jesus said, John chapter 8, I believe it is. He says, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And every good preacher, have you ever heard a good preacher talk about that word no is not no. That word no is like a husband and a wife. Knowing one another. You ever heard a good preacher talk about that? It's about experiencing the truth of God. It's about that. And you ever wondered, okay, well, that's great. What in the world does that look like? Well, here's the thing, and, and, I, and I'm not trying to be graphic, and, I, and I'll keep it as, as, as G-rated as I can, but a husband and a wife knowing each other is not or should not be an emotionless experience. Mm-hmm. Right? It should actually be the highest emotional experience that we have in this life. And that's why Jesus chose that same word, that intimate word about knowing truth. See, when we're going to renew the spirit of our mind, it's about renewing our mind to the level of that passionate, positive emotion. So when we talk about doing these I am statements, I don't want it to just be, because I know some of us, many of us came from a word of faithy background. I don't want it to be just another confession list. I want it to be realities that are touching the emotion of your heart from scripture, the positive side. Does that make sense? And I want us to meditate on it until there's a passion in there. Right? I love that's what Pastor Mark said last night. Right? And I love that over in our Irondale campus. He talked about, I mean, if you think about even God and Jesus, God and Jesus were not, again, using a, they weren't passive. They weren't Vulcans like from Star Trek. They had no emotions. Like, I mean, they were, I mean, the Bible talks about that God and Jesus, they were fierce. They were passionate. And even when it talks about, you know, God the Father, and it says of him towards Israel, that he was jealous, not of Israel, that was misconstrued by Oprah, but he said, I was jealous for Israel, like a husband is jealous for his wife. There is a passion that's in God. And so this renewing this, how do we renew this? Remember what I said before, when we were little, 
there was an emotion that was tied to a memory and that emotion burned in that belief system, right? And I've often now wondered too, the reason why some of our mind renewal doesn't work besides that it just stays here, we never feel it. There's no passion in our faith. There's no passion of, because again, when I sit there, and, and I'm going to read you my statement, right? And, I'll, and I really do, I want you to, to create something and I want you to meditate on it man, until it moves you. But positive, I mean, think about this, you know, we know that and, and we'll cover, and I know this a lot, we'll cover more and, and unpack it again. But look at, again, the fruits of the Spirit. Can somebody name the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, even self-control. All of those are emotions. <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? But even self-control, <laughs> but even it is self-control because the emotion is I am in control. That has an emotion to it. That's not just an action. That's the I am confident. I am in charge here. I am in control. I am in control. That's an emotion. That way you can choose for all those things out there not to. Yeah, sure. Choose. That's exactly right. There's, this is, but but I want you to. But I, I say that to kind of connect us to, and this is part of mine because I have is our faith is an emotion filled faith because God wired us to feel right to, to have passions. Again, I'll tell you. So what? So in the whole stuff about the heart brain is they, they talk about heart transplants. I don't, I don't Heart transplants that come in. And they talk, well, they talk about one, heart donors, right? So this lady needed a heart. There was a man that was killed, right? And so he became the donor, and they took his heart out and put it in this lady. Now, this lady was like one of you ladies. She was a good church-going Christian lady her whole life, all this kind of stuff. And they put this man's heart in her, and her body receives sex accepts that when she wakes up, the nurse says, well, how are you doing? Can I get you anything? She goes, man, I'd love a beer and chicken nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and she's like, and that's weird because I've never drunk anything a day in my life. <laughs> right? And, and all of a sudden, as this lady healed, as this lady... It's a bad show. As this lady healed, her family noticed new passions. She buys a motorcycle. <laughs> she learns to ride a motorcycle. She does this stuff. She, she's a little different, and there's some stuff. And so they finally, they finally, because of this heart brain thing, they call the doctor and say, can we talk to the donor's family? And they say, well, sure. So they connect the recipient to the donor's family. And they say, can you tell me about our, our heart donor? Yeah, he rode Harleys. In fact, when he died, he died on his motorcycle. Right? And when they cut his clothes off of him, they found a pack of chicken nuggets in the vest pocket <laughs> of his vest. And a beer bottle. And, in his he, and he loved beer. 
And over and over again, what they found in heart transplants over and over is not only did the person get a new heart, they got a new set of passions. Wow. Because your heart is the seat of your passions. Right? So now you understand, love the Lord your God with all your heart. I guess my, this is the question I'm thinking of mm-hmm. to ask you, and I know it sounds bad, but how do you, I know bad, but even when you don't feel like passionate towards God, you know, it's kind of like, mm-hmm. today kind of sucks. I love you, Jesus, but I don't feel like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, how do, that's where I'm finding myself, like, how do I keep that? Well then, well then, what you do is, is you when when it when it begins to suck, you stop and go, "What am I thinking about? Where 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 is this?" Right, because what they do know about that middle part of your brain that produces all of the juices for your emotions is that it's fueled by what you think on all the time. Right. The, those high thoughts fuel the, the juice-making recipe that fuels the way you feel. And again, not to get off into the biology of stuff, but they know that every cell in your body produces receptors for these emotional chemicals. So see, your body just assumes, your physical body just assumes that you understand you have all dominion, authority, and power because that's just what it assumes. So it just assumes that if you're running around mad, you just must want to be mad. So your body literally begins to create cells with more anger receptors attached to them because we just must want to be mad. So we're just going to make it easier for us to feel mad or sad or depressed or anxious or joyful, loving, peaceful, contented. Literally, your body will respond and go, oh, we must want to be happy. We must want to be peaceful. We must want to be joyful. And it'll begin to rewire literally your cells with fewer and fewer receptors for negative emotions and more and more receptors for the positive emotions. And you will train your body, as the Hebrew writer said, to discern between good and evil. You'll train your body. You'll literally teach your body, what this is who I am. I am not this, I am this. And your body goes, okay, that's what we are. And so it'll create things to make that who you are. So that makes sense. Here, here's my I am statements. Here's my, it says, I want you to just listen to these. You can make your own, but I've tried to make them. So I, so I say these now, this, I am my father's true son, born of the spirit by choice and on purpose, right? I am free from sin, sickness, and barely getting by, right? I am a loving, passionate, and faithful husband. I am a loving, connected, and wise father. I am a clear, concise, and accurate teacher. I am a relational, strong, and caring pastor. I am able to understand and engage in the full design of God. I am a loyal, connected, and fun friend. But I've wanted to craft things that I will feel. Does that make sense? And some of them up higher on the list, I feel them stronger, and I can tell I feel the other ones I'm not... 
But I want to meditate on these and I want you to create your own list from Scripture that is tied to these things, your I am statements. But I want, you, I want them to, to move you. Right? I, I want them, I found them on Scripture, but even, and again, if they're the ones that are like, yeah, you, you, you're already persuaded. But if you can read Scripture on it and you're like going, I don't know about that one, but I can see it in Scripture, add that one to the list. Because the Bible says that's who I am. And I'm, I'm going to meditate on that until I feel it. Does that make sense? I'm going to meditate on it until it moves me. Mm-hmm. Did the word of faith say it bad like that? And it didn't happen. It wasn't necessarily that it was wrong. It was like you exactly what you're saying. It never went to hear. I didn't truly believe. Yeah. You know, because we say, oh, I'm the head and not the tail. Yeah. I'm above and not the But truly, do you believe that? Do you believe it? Uh, yeah. Because remember, this leads this. And, and what happens is, is the emotion side, the reason why I wanted to say that is, is the connection for Phoenix is, is that your emotion, the emotion that comes from here is the way for this to get connected to this. Without an identifying emotion, your front brain doesn't know what to think on. Does that make sense? Positive or, positive or negative. Without emotion, your, your brain... So there has to be this thing, this emotion, positive or negative, that fuels the focus of this frontal part, right? So that's why you want to get it until you can feel it. And, and last story of that, you all know, heard me talk about Keith Moore, right? Keith Moore was helping a man who wanted to be free from cigarettes, right? And so Brother Keith didn't know all this, but he would tell the man, this is what I want you to do. I want you the whole time you're smoking, I want you to say, I'm free from cigarettes, and the guy was like, you mean like while I'm actually smoking? He says, yeah, when you're in between drags, I want you to go, I'm free from cigarettes. And this guy was doing it. And we were there at this meeting for a couple of weeks. And by the end of the second week, he came in, he was all excited. And he tells Brother Keith, he says, I was there, I was out back of the church and I was doing it and I'd suck on it. Well, I'm free from cigarettes. I'm, I'm free. I'm free. And emotion jumped up. And he threw him down and walked away and never went back. But he meditated on the reality of what was true until he knew the truth. How do I know I know the truth? When the truth moves those positive emotions of love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, passion, zeal, fire, whatever you want to call it. And, and that truth moves me here. Then that's when I know, okay, I've hardwired this. This has changed. Right? And it's strong now. Does that make sense? So if y'all would, please, for this next week, for next Thursday, work on your I am statements. Right? If you'd be so willing, I would ask you to bring them next Thursday and share them with us. What are your I am statements? I am what? If you can, I'd like to, what scriptures did you come from? Right? When you found those. Right? Were you sure? Did you record it? I did. I recorded. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, Lord, we love you so much. So grateful.
for tonight, Lord. So thankful for all that you do, all that you are showing and teaching and, and leading us in. We're so, 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 so thankful. And Lord, just help us as, as we continue to meditate and think on these things. Lord, to open up our hearts, open up um, that, that core belief system. Lord, help us to see and know who we are because of you. Help us to identify the lying beliefs that maybe have kept us uh, in, a, in a prison of our mind. Um, and help us to identify your truth of our identity in Jesus' name.